0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the three of seven podcast i have been waiting for quite a while to share today's episode with you guys it is with a close friend and a mentor of mine named pastor james cordell Um, james when we recorded this episode had recently just finished a 21 day long fast um, and that was water for 21 days so we talked through that experience um, we talk through a lot of our experiences um, in our own personal lives in our own personal walks with God in our own personal faith and uh, it's just a powerful episode we finish the episode up with the story of uh, when you know James calling me while I was overseas and and helping me through that that process of uh, deliverance that I experienced when I decided to uh, become a follower of Christ. So you guys, a lot of you guys have probably heard that story from my perspective, but now you get to hear it from James's perspective, and hopefully it becomes more impactful and more real to you. Um, we're just so thankful to have him on the show, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for supporting us, all of our Patreons out there, everyone who downloads this episode. Go give us a review on iTunes and uh, help us out. We really appreciate it. we got some awesome content coming your way in the near future. Hope you're all well. Here he is, Mr. James Cordell.
1: My heart may not feel this right now, but I'm going to make a choice based on on God's word and God's principle, and our feelings will catch up, Mm -hmm. and they do. Um, And so we, we, when we're soul fasting, we we're doing that so that, you know, and whether it's just a a fast in general or it's, it's, it's our everyday living is that we want to be renewing our mind uh, through the word of God and through time with God, um, in order to be able to, in order to be able to make those right choices. And, um, and and so when we're not just while we're fasting, but a daily practice is if I'm going to If I'm going to act right, I first must think right.
0: Brother James, welcome to the 307 Podcast,
1: man. Thank you so much, Chad and Blake. I've been uh, anxiously awaiting getting to sit down with you guys and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, just share a little bit about what God has uh, done in our life and um, honor both of you guys so much and appreciate your friendship and uh, just getting the to be able to do life and ministry with y'all is a, is a privilege.
0: Yeah, it, it is James. And I I echo that. Thanks brother. And you know, so for the listeners, this is, this is James Cordell. And you guys have all probably heard about James Cordell at some point in time. You just uh, don't know. You you don't know the last name. So James is the, uh, the pastor that uh, while I was overseas, um, Called and, and helped me out in the situation that I was in uh, back in 2012, and um, we'll get into that story a little bit later. Um, so you you've been an important figure in my life. Not only did you help me there, that was that was a turning point in my life. Um, that's where I came to Christ and 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 had a real you know I developed a real relationship with Him was after that instance. Um, and you know, I'll never forget just the courage that you had when you called me that day and, and, uh, and did that for me. Um, and you know, there's so much I want to talk about today. Other than that story, you're coming off a 30 day fast, right? 21, 21 days. And is that water only?
1: So some of our, some people at our church, we've, um, we, we do what we call a Matthew 633 fast. And so. Matthew 6:33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added unto you. And so we take the first part of our year every year. Um I've been fortunate enough to uh to be able to do this for probably 17 years. Um but 8 years as a lead pastor, even 9 years because even the year before the church launched, we were leading our our congregation in this and um and so we take twenty one days, really kind of similar to the three of seven. Um, you know, uh, we take three being the number of man, seven being the number of perfection, three sevens, uh, twenty one days. Um, and we just take that time to uh, uh, to dig in, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. but um, we um, some people at the church do a complete fast. Um, which is just water only, uh, some juice, and uh, depending on the physical load. uh, And there's certainly no judgment from anybody, no matter what fast you choose to do. Uh, It's all about choosing to draw closer to God during that time. But uh, some will do uh, a complete fast, um, and then others will do a partial fast. We call it a Daniel fast, where um, they're only eating fruits and vegetables, uh, no processed food, no caffeine, um, nothing fun. Um, and, and so all for the purpose of drawing closer to God. And it really all lines up with the the three of seven that you guys stand for. And, um, and so personally, um, uh, we choose, I choose to, to do a complete fast and, um, just, um, it's life-changing, um, because what we're doing when we're fasting, uh, you guys talk a lot about, on the three of seven podcasts about the body, the soul, and the spirit. Um, and we, we teach that a lot at 101 church. And, um, and so when we're fasting, we're literally quite literally starving the body um, of desires and, and we are letting our body know uh, who's in charge. Um, and so uh, a lot of times whenever we don't even really realize it, our body is calling the shots on how we live uh, the choices that we make, what we do, um, who's, you know, uh, who's a part of our life, uh, those kind of things. If it sees good or if it if it looks good, we, you know, we consume it. If it feels good, we do it uh, kind of scenario. And so when we're fasting, we're starving uh, that portion, that, that third, that body portion. Uh, but we're also quieting our soul, um, our mind, our will, our emotions uh, that has a huge impact on on also what we do, how we behave, how we respond, um, how we live in general, um, and we quiet our body and we quiet our soul so that the Spirit of God on the inside of us, uh, so we, you know, we know that we're a body, we're a soul, and we have a spirit, um, and, and at any point in time, uh, one or two of those areas is generally what's calling the shot in your life, and unfortunately, it's very seldom our spirit that is determining how we live our life. And that spirit is what makes us different from the animals. Uh, animals have a body, they have a soul, uh, but they don't have a spirit. That spirit's what connects us to God. And that spirit is, is uh, Romans 8 teaches us a lot about spirit-led living. Um, but unfortunately, very uh, you know, for a lot of people, we don't feed our spirit enough that that is strong enough in our life that determines how we live our life. And so, uh, ultimately, when we're fasting, whether it's a full fast or a partial fast, um, we are, we're quieting uh, those other areas of our life, the body and the soul. So, the Spirit of God, which is what connects us to God, is we're feeding our spirit. Um, the Bible teaches us, they that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And so, uh, it's just an amazing time. I, look, I, I personally look forward to it every year. My body doesn't. Um, matter of fact, it, it, it kicks and screams of, you know, we want that caffeine and I know I'm going to get a caffeine headache because we get used to those things. And, um, but ultimately my spirit is, is literally doing cartwheels because I know, I know what's about to happen um, with the awakening and the spirit and, and just the awareness. So we know God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever, and so if I'm ever feeling distant uh, in my relationship with God, um, I know that it's not God that's changed. Uh, it's me. I've slipped. I've um, whether it's outright sin, which hopefully it's not, but the truth is, is that all of us, you know, have areas of that. We, that we stumble in, we have weaknesses, whether it's just outright sin or whether it's we're undisciplined um, in our, in our walk with, with God. Um, we, um we are the ones that become distant, and uh, James uh, teaches us that uh, that if we would draw near to God, that He would draw near to us. And so, uh, it's up to us. We're He's not changing. We're we're the ones that are changing. So when we're fasting, we're positioning ourselves um, to be closer to God. We're positioning ourselves to be able to be aware of what He's desiring to do in us and through us and for us. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing, amazing time and, um, always really, really, really look forward to it. And, and honestly, I think that, um, that where I'm at in my life, uh, the healthiness, uh, having a healthy marriage, a uh, healthy family, uh, we have four kids, um, been married, we'll celebrate 19 years in April. Um, I know I probably don't sound that old and I'm not, um, but celebrate, uh 19 years in April, um, and then a healthy church. Yep. Uh, that um that I know has had a great impact on a lot of people. Um, I, I really feel like that um all that is because it has a lot to do with the fact that that we choose to fast so that we can quiet our body, quiet our soul, so that we can be aware of what God, um, the marching orders that he gives us, the direction that he wants us to go, the things that he desires us to be a part of. And uh so it's a phenomenal time so twenty one days uh, we always do it in January to start the year that way and um and hopefully for our for our people and for those people that get to practice that that it's a catalyst uh for the rest of the year and it kind of sets the tone that god I'm surrendering uh my myself, my desires, the things that I really want um I'm surrendering those things so that I can be more aware of what you desire to do in me and through me and um, uh, so it's a great opportunity, uh, to be able to draw close to God.
0: Yeah. it. I'll, I'm going to hit, hit that real quick, Blake. And there's so much to unpack there, James. And, you know, I told you I was on a run with some buddies this morning and I was telling them about you and, and the fast that you just, you know, had, had finished and the, you know, the rest of the church members, we had talked to Brett, right? Brett was over at the house yeah. the other day and he did water fast 21 days. And, yeah my buddy uh, he said um, he said I didn't even know that was possible <laughs> he said uh, you know what why do they do that and, and you just answered that question yeah. um, that's I think you hit the nail on the head and uh, he he had a lot more questions and so do I because I've never fasted for that amount of time I mean just break that down for me real quick from a physical standpoint um, where when does it Get hard, does it ever get easier? What do you experience physically
1: going through that journey, man right so um yes, it gets hard uh yes, there are times uh it does get a little bit easier um and so um but when it is hard and when you are hungry, the hunger is supposed to remind you why you're doing it. the hunger is supposed to remind you, hey, I need to be so when we're we are eliminating something out of our life. And we want to make sure we replace it with the things of God. I want to make sure I'm ministering unto God during this time. And so it's not just a time where I come before God and say, God, I'm fasting and I need, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. It's a time where we're fasting and we're saying, God, I just want to worship you. I just want you to know how much I love you. Um, and how much, you know, I, you know, I, it's a privilege to be your son and to get to be in right relationship with you. And, um, and so that hunger, it's not there all the time, but when it is there, it's a reminder of why we're doing it. And it's a reminder that, Hey, there's certain things that we're fasting and we're believing God for. Um, and one of those things that we fast for, we fast for others. Uh, we fast for those that are far from God, um, that may not be in a right relationship with him. We fast for those that, Um, that, uh, once were close to God, um, but now aren't. And, uh, we fast trusting God to, to move in their life and to draw them close to them. And there's other specifics that, um, that we set out every time we read about a fast in the Bible, there was something specific they were fasting for, whether it be uh, a crisis, whether it be, um, healing, whether it be deliverance, whatever, a lot of those things, um they were they were specific uh and so we challenge our church to to be really specific about the reason why, but ultimately um it's to draw closer to god and so um so to answer the question um I always personally i try to prepare myself ahead of time uh because physically and we're talking about the physical uh you know portion of it in the body is that is the physical uh portion of it is that you know we're we're about to for me one of the hardest things is I don't know if you've ever heard of a caffeine headache, oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah you know it's a real it's a real thing, and there's it's a it's excruciating um to have that kind of a headache and so for myself, I generally try the the week leading up to a fast or an extended fast um especially the twenty one day fast that um I'll start to wean myself off of off of caffeine and um get rid of you know if I'm drinking any soft drinks or anything like that. Generally it's, it's even just the one cup of coffee I have a day. My body is ultimately depending on that to some form of fashion. Um, And so for me, I could, I could not have my cup of coffee in the morning and come two o'clock in the afternoon, whether I'm fasting or not, I didn't have that cup of coffee. I can have a headache. And so coming off of that entirely, your body is detoxing. Um, And it is, it's getting rid of, you know, those things that, um, that ultimately, um, you know, we don't necessarily have to have, or they're not beneficial to us. Um, we're eating a lot of processed foods, and just a lot of things that, um, that when we 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 stop those things, it's it's coming out. So there's a time in the fast that it 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 really is no fun. Yeah. Um, and so I come off the caffeine, and I'll get the caffeine headache about about you know about day three that, that headache goes away, and I just always tell our people look, you're going to hate me if you don't come off your caffeine ahead of time because having that, having a caffeine headache is a lot easier to deal with when you can eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having the caffeine headache and not being able to eat or not being able, it's a lot worse. And so um, I try to get the caffeine out ahead of time. And then uh, the first three days are generally uh, the most difficult because your body is literally getting rid of those toxins. And so we want to make sure that and you know, from a physical standpoint that we're we're drinking a lot of water. We always tell our church, listen guys, this it you know, if you have any health conditions at all, you want to you want to check with your physician before you before you do an extended fast. A lot of people think it's unhealthy. It's actually not unhealthy. It's actually very healthy uh to do that. Um but we always want to make sure that our people are, you know, if you're not in in great health that you you check with your physician, if you're taking medications, those kind of things and to make sure, but um, generally the first three days are uh, mentally um, very tough because if you're doing a full fast, um, you know, it's difficult to, you know, to not eat because your body is used to it's used to eating. And, um, and so just uh, get in that kind of that routine of, or I'm not eating and there's certain things that are coming out of my body Um, and so we want to make sure we're drinking lots of water. Uh, so, um, first three days are very difficult. And then there's definitely times along the way that, uh, you, you do experience that hunger. It's not like, you know, you don't, when you are hungry, you don't stay hungry forever, but, um, whether you're fasting or not, but on the fast, um, it does get a little bit easier. Um, but, um, you know, it's I think after a certain point it's not so much the body. Um, uh, the body's gonna be fine. Um, it, it becomes a mental thing of hey, I need to eat, I need to do that. Uh, but again, along the way, whenever we're thinking about that, it's a reminder that hey, I need to I need to spend more time in prayer for my community. I need to spend more time in prayer for the marriages in our church. I need to spend more time in prayer for those that are lost and uh, just for breakthrough in areas of my own life and um And so, um, generally, uh, about probably day 17 or 18, you're kind of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, and so it's important, you know, obviously from our, our point of view, from a Christian point of view and from a pastor's standpoint, um, you know, we, we want to make sure this is more about the spiritual and it is about the physical, Mm -hmm. um, because it's easy and I've done it so long uh to the point where i I just get rid of the scale altogether, uh because the first twenty one day fast that I ever did, I'm like man i've I've you know you average about a pound a day and I'm like, I've lost you know fifteen pounds in two weeks and it and it can have a tendency to become about how much weight you've lost versus about what God desires to do in your life, and so I just take that scale and get rid of it entirely and um and want to make sure that it doesn't become more about glorifying your body or what's happening in your body versus what God is desiring to do in you spiritually. And so uh, I want to clarify real quick, there's two different types of fast. One would be a private fast where God calls you as an individual to go on a private fast. Um, Again, you might have a very specific reason to do that um, whether you're seeking God for direction or an answer to a prayer or a lost love and whatever that looks like for you as an individual Uh, That wouldn't, that would be one that you would do privately. You might share that with your spouse so that she's not uh, cooking for you every night. And, you know, that would make for difficulties. Um, You might share that with your family, your kids or whatever, but you're not, you know, I wouldn't share that to the church that I'm fasting. Uh, Then there's a corporate fast where a leader of a nation or a leader of a congregation, a church uh, organization might call a corporate fast where as a body we're going into that. And so the, the fast that we do at the beginning of the year, the Matthew six thirty three fast is what we would call a corporate fast. And so, um, so that's why we, we can kind of talk about those things. Um, what will happen is it's easy to get caught up on, man, you're just so super spiritual. Uh, you're hearing the words of man, the praise of man. And if you're not careful, that'll be your reward for the fast versus what God desires to do in you and through you. And, um, and so, uh, you know, doing it long enough, I want to make sure that that I'm staying focused on the real reason that we're doing it, and um, it is physically possible. Um, you know, anything beyond 21 days, you you better know that um, that you've heard from God that you're supposed to do that. I mean, uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, you know, before he launched his earthly ministry. Um, but if you ever hear anybody doing anything beyond that. Um, they're, they've gotten out in left field somewhere and, and it's very unhealthy and dangerous. Um, and so anything beyond 21 days, you, you, uh, you better know that it's not just a recreational thing that you decided to do and a challenge that, um, so spiritually, um, you know, we, we stick to the 21 days. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 10. That's where they get the Daniel fast mm-hmm. from. And, uh, Daniel needed clarity for the vision uh, for a dream. And, and it was something that he wasn't able to do until he fasted. And then after the fast, he got revelation of what the, what it meant. And so fasting can oftentimes bring clarity for God's vision for your life and God's purpose for your life. And so, uh, I am mean, out just talked in a circle, you asked oh, me about man. physically, you know, just, um, about the difficulties or the challenges involved. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the first three days are very difficult and then you're, you kind of get into that routine, but you want to make sure that that routine is including we don't want to eliminate something and then not and not replace it with something spiritual something that is feeding our spirit and um so it's a like I said it's an incredible time and that I really think that we as a family, my family and our church has has been a benefactor of what God is desiring to do you know when we're when we're fasting. Yeah,
0: and I asked that question because I think there's a lot of Christians out there that that wanna that wanna seek you know that that level of of spiritual connection. They want to seek God on a higher level, but you know that's that's a scary thing to to undertake a 21 day fast. So you know, I asked that question specifically because your answers gives them now something to kind of a, a guideline of what to expect, you know, and right. and maybe now I know me hearing that from you, it sounds a little, it's a little less intimidating now that I can tell myself, okay, the first three days are going to be rough. Then you get into that routine. Um, and then, and then you also talking about how the hunger pains and the fatigue and all that stuff, like you're actually appreciative of that because that's what reminds you of why you're fasting and those are the things that remind you to get out on your knees and pray in those moments or get out your bible and study God's word in those moments so they're actually they're actually good byproducts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's just like,
2: you know, like Scott was talking about adventuring and how, you know, start with a one-day adventure. If you've never done it before, you know, maybe you start with if you want to do a complete fast, maybe you do like a three day complete so you, fast. So you beat or, me
1: to it. there's there's more than just a twenty one day fast. So uh, we read about a one- day fast in the Bible. So one day fast specifically was a fast for self-reflection, self-examination. Um, and so it's God, I'm presenting myself before you, and I'm gonna be honest before you and honest with myself. God, if there's anything in me that doesn't belong, God deal with me, reveal those things to me. So there's a one-day fast and there's a three-day fast. The um, three-day fast would be specifically uh, for a crisis when you needed a breakthrough. The Apostle Paul, um, before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he was leading raids on Christians. He was leading murderous raids on Christians, and where they were throwing men of God into prison for for preaching Jesus. And and in Acts chapter nine when Saul had his conversion and now he's Paul. He encountered the true God and and Jesus revealed himself to him. And um, he he literally went from persecuting Christians to preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in a very, very short period of time. And so now the guys that he used to hang with um, not only dislike him, but now they want to kill him. And so they literally were trying to kill him. And the Bible teaches us that that Paul— went on a three day fast because he needed God to rescue him, and God rescued him uh from there and so so yeah, it's talking about i I wouldn't start with a twenty one day fast unless you just know that you know that you know that you know that God has said this is what you need to do for this season of your life um a full fast now you may choose to do a partial fast um or a Daniel fast or there's other types that you can study uh one of my heroes of the faith is Jensen Franklin and J- pastor Franklin has uh an enormous amount of resources on fasting and um but i would i would challenge somebody you know to to start with a one day or a three day fast and um it's all about your in- the intent of your heart and just like i'm telling you that you don't have to do a full fast unless you feel like that's something god is telling you specifically that you can absolutely get the same results spiritually as long as you have the right approach. And, and as you're choosing, my kids do a 21 day fast. Um, nobody called defects on me there. We're feeding them. Um, but they choose to go, like they, they did the Daniel fast. They didn't have any They eliminated meats and they eliminated sweets and they eliminated bread and all their, you know, carbonated drinks. And, um, my, my kids are, I have a 14 year old son, a 12 year old son, a ten-year-old daughter, and we have a baby that just turned one. We let her; she didn't have to fast. But uh, <laughs> if you go back and read in the Old Testament, when they fasted, the, even their animals fasted. Yeah. Um. And so it, it was a very, very significant spiritual discipline. And honestly, um, it's something that Jesus says that we should do. Like it's it. He's he's teaching us. He he told um he told his disciples like the Pharisees were questioning him why why do your, why do your disciples not fast? And basically, you know, in a roundabout way, he said, cause I'm still with them, but there's going to come a time that I'm not with them. Then they will fast, not that they might fast. Or, no, he's saying then they will fast. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus from that very moment that you surrender your life. And, and so ultimately, you know, fasting should be, um, it should be a part of our spiritual discipline, uh, because there's that kind of significance on it. Um, and, uh, and so I would encourage anybody, you know, to, to, to do some research biblically and to dig in and, um, and, and, you know, you, you're, you're able to do these ultra marathons and it has a lot to do with you disciplining your body, but it's your mind, you know, telling your body that you, you know, you don't get to make this choice. And, um, and so it's very similar when it mm-hmm. comes to fasting. we we are, we are literally bringing our flesh down off the throne of our life. And we're saying, you're going to submit to the spirit of God. And I'm going to bring my hurts, my habits, my hangups, and I'm going to bring them before God. And I'm going to let him deal uh, with them. And personally, um, I experienced a breakthrough in my life. um, And it happened during my very first 21 day fast. And and so I had, um, I had something that I was exposed to at 10 years old that really, really haunted my life that no matter how often I tried to overcome that, it would seem like it would just continue to rear its ugly head and associated with that was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And, and I just said, God, I don't, I don't want this anymore. And ultimately God led me on a 21 day fast. And it was during that fast that I experienced that breakthrough in my life and and was able to get free from that uh, and still am, am able to be free from that because of something that God did uh on a 21 day fast. And so something I've learned uh, you know, throughout my life is that if I if I want to get a different result, I need to do something different. And and that is, you know, we say, you know, unusual times call for unusual measures. And and so it's not, it's not some, you know, way out and left field kind of practice. Now it's something that Jesus teaches us. There's a lot of power um, associated with that. And um, another example would be um, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up and he was transfigured on the Mount. While, he was, while that was happening, the disciples that were left behind, um, a man had brought um, his child to them that was demon-possessed. And the disciples did everything that they'd already seen Jesus do they did everything that they'd already done themselves before to, to, to bring about deliverance uh, for this man's son. And they prayed and they d- did all those things and nothing happened. And so when Jesus came back down off the mountain, um, the man brought his son before Jesus. And, and Jesus ultimately delivered uh, the demonic spirit that was a part of this young man's life. And and ultimately set him free. There was a breakthrough, and the disciples later on questioned Jesus, and they said, "Jesus, why could we, why could we not do what we'd done before? Why could we not cast out the demon?" And Jesus's response to his disciples uh, was that this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting, and so it teaches us that that discipline. There's a there's something that is that is unleashed spiritually, um, that again, we position ourselves to be able to to have access on that kind of a level. And, and so I experienced that in my own life. And, um, and so I'm still grateful for, for that moment where God led me to that in my life and, and that ultimately set me free from something that haunted me from 10 years old. Um, and, uh, and so, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful discipline that it helps us to be able to, um, just to be able to position ourselves for what God, I believe what God desires to do in our lives always, mm-hmm. but it's us, it's our body, it's our soul that get in the way of what God desires to do through us spiritually.
0: Yep. So, I'm I mean, I'm hearing that You got to roll Blake. All right. So I'm hearing it's a it's a powerful tool, and I'm hearing it also. I, I keep hearing you talk about it. It takes that initiative, man. Like I and I feel the same way. You know, God, God, it's a beautiful thing. He's given us free will, and so that essentially puts it in our hands and means that we've got to take some initiative. And um, you know, I keep hearing that come up. So that's that's solid, man. And. I agree with you a hundred percent James you're going back to the the kind of the um comparison with with the ultra running and that's what that's really what ultra running is all about for me it's bringing your flesh into subjection because isn't it funny man how the body it's like all it desires is perpetual comfort and mm-hmm. it wants at mealtime, it wants more than is needed to to sustain itself. In the cold, all it wants is to be warm. All it does is desire uh, and chase after lustful thoughts, and, and it's just constantly nagging for perpetual comfort. It's a weird—and part of that is a, a survival mechanism, I think, to keep—the body wants to maintain itself and— it wants more than it needs but um you got to check it you got to check it every now and then man well that's what i was thinking here with i never really considered how
2: exercising or running or doing something like that difficult related to fasting and how you know i can go out on a run and that's really when i will hear from god and and get my best thoughts and it's similar to fasting. You know, you get the same same result from fasting. It's just, and I think it all goes back to really discipline your body. You know, whether it's whether it's exercising or doing something like that, or fasting. And and obviously, fasting is is the biblical way. But I think that that you get a similar result from from doing something hard physically.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. It's bringing that flesh into subjection, and I believe that's another. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that you could say it's a commandment, but I would say it's something that Jesus wants us to do: is to crucify our flesh. And that sounds uh, very extreme. And I've actually, I've had people look at me like I was crazy when I said I've said before I despise my flesh for its weakness, um, but I think it's essential to to check it every now and then, man. So yeah,
1: those are the very words to crucify our flesh, and there's nothing pleasant about that when we really think about crucifixion and Mm -hmm, and that's literally what we're taught biblically to do with our body. You know, not not to harm it physically, but the desires and the lust and all those things that are associated uh, with a sinful nature, um, is that we have to bring those things in submission and we have to we have to practice feeding our spirit and we have to practice what is right. And I tell our church all the time that you know, I've got four kids and I've got a precious baby, but we're not going to have to teach her how to do wrong. Yeah, she's a natural. Uh, just like all my kids were a natural at doing know. wrong. You know, uh, your kids are naturals <laughs> also, Blake. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, but it's because of that sinful nature that um, we have to uh, we have to teach our kids to do right. We have to expose them to the truth, and 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 so our flesh just has that desire because of because we're. That's us by nature.
2: Well, and what's funny is, it, you know, well, I guess not funny, but interesting is how you were talking about you had to put the scale away. So even, even when you said, "All right, I'm not eating. I don't care how hungry I am," but then it flips the script and says, oh, "All right, you're doing this to lose weight." Yep. You know, yeah. Look at all the weight you're losing, James. Yeah, and and that doesn't that doesn't matter. But it's constantly nagging and trying to. It's trying to fight your spirit. It's self
0: seeking. Yeah. The flesh is always self seeking.
1: Even to the point, all right, you know, what are people going to tell me this Sunday when I get to church and I've lost 14 pounds on week two? And it's easy to get caught up in those things. And again, it's really easy for that to be your reward. Yeah. And that's why Jesus teaches us when we do a private fast that it should be done in secret. Otherwise, that will be your reward. you know, I don't, I don't want my reward to be, I lost 20 pounds. Um, I want my reward to be eternal. I want my reward to be that lives were eternally impacted because I finally got to a point where I saw what God sees in somebody else or what God desired to do in me or through me. And and it took me quieting my, my soul. Um, you know, we, so before my kids started doing the Daniel fast, which involved the the food, um, we did a, a media fast where we anything that lit up, we just unplugged it. Um, and and so when we were you know desiring to play the video game or watch the TV or whatever, it was a reminder that hey, this is why we're doing that. And honestly, somebody might be able to have, depending on your level of of you know desire for entertainment. Uh, you may be able to benefit just as much from doing a soul fast where you unplug and it's a reminder. You may do that more than you eat or more than you want to eat with our society today. Um, and so we're quieting our soul because we're constantly being inundated uh, with things that are contrary to what God desires for us. Now, are we able to? I, I, I absolutely don't believe we should live in a bubble and that we shouldn't be exposed to to certain things. I need to know, you know. How to, you know, what what my kids are facing. I need to know the real issues that are that our families are facing, and I'm not educating myself. It, you don't have to. It's it's all around us. But when we're fasting, we're we're just eliminating those things to quiet our soul, um, you know. And and so that the whole, you know, the soul portion, our our mind, our will, our emotions. You know, we preach all the time at 101 one church that our choices lead and our feelings follow, but what gets us the, the world today, a society today in general, even the church in general, um, you know, we're led by emotion and, and, you know, we, that will lead us down a very difficult road. And so we, a lot of times that emotion is, is things that we've been exposed to other behavior and, and that's our first go-to is because that's what we've been feeding. Uh, versus feeding our spirit more um so that we respond based on a biblical principle we make a choice that you know what I don't my heart may not feel this right now but I'm going to make a choice based on on God's word and God's principle and our feelings will catch up mm-hmm. and they do um and so we we when we're soul fasting we we're doing that so that you know, and whether it's just a fast in general or it's, it's, it's our everyday living is that we want to be renewing our mind uh, through the word of God and through time with God um, in order to be able to, in order to be able to make those right choices. And, um, and and so when we're not just while we're fasting, but a daily practice is if I'm going to, if I'm going to act right, I first must think right. If I go back and look at, it had the pitfalls in my life, and, um, you know, I, I'm not going to share my whole story today, but by no means am I a saint. Um, you know, God called me to preach when I was 15 years old. Uh, I preached my first sermon on an Easter Sunday at 15 and uh, experienced the power of God and understand an intimacy with God, and I felt like at a certain point throughout high school that I was missing out on something. And probably from eighteen to almost twenty two years uh you know twenty two years old, that I ran from from the call of God on my life, even more than that, I just ran from God period uh, if that's even possible, but I chose that free will that you were talking about um I believed a lie um that I was missing out on something, and so I pursued after that and so when I look back at my life, you know every situation I got myself into is because I, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking right. Um, you know, I have to, I have to think right in order to act right. And so, um, and in order for me to think right, I got to be able to renew my mind. And so every, every pitfall in my life and every time in my life where I was distant from God is because I had stopped renewing my mind. I'd stopped feeding my spirit through the word of God. And ultimately that led to some really, really, you know, some extra, some extra chapters in that book and that story that God's writing and thankful, you know, that wasn't the the last chapter, but, but ultimately, you know, led to some difficult times in my life and um, where I felt like that, you know, absolutely could have been avoided. Had I been disciplined enough to renew my mind through the word of God and make that choice, uh, even when I wasn't feeling it to, to feed my spirit. And, um, and so we uh, you know, we're, we're quieting our soul, we're quieting our body so that the spirit of God on the inside of us can position us to, to experience God's best and to experience what God truly, truly desires to do through us. Um, and so it is about what he desires to do through us, but we're also benefactors of what God desires to do for us yep. and the blessing of God. Um, and I've got, you know, I keep telling, I got four kids. I want to be able to give them the best that I have and uh and God's God's no different he wants to bless his children he wants to bless me so i can be a blessing but all that comes along with obedience and um and so uh when we're again not just while we're fasting but throughout throughout our our, our disciplines throughout the year um we want to be obedient in that and be spirit led and mm-hmm. and we get to experience God's best uh for our life and and unfortunately you know, those times in my life, I wasn't experiencing God's best because I made a choice. Um, I wasn't thinking right. I was operating under, under my feelings, and that led me down, you know, some difficult times. But ultimately, God took those uh, those really difficult seasons in my life, and I was able to, once I really truly surrendered, um, once again, surrender my life to Christ and surrender my will to His and said, God... You know, I desire to be close to you again. I know I feel like I've probably messed this up more than you could ever fix, uh, but thankfully that doesn't happen. Um, and and then surrendered. God said, "God, if if you'll still have me, if you'll still use me, I'll I'm, I'll I'll do whatever you tell me to do." And I knew at that point that um, that that call was still there, and it doesn't doesn't go away. And uh, ultimately, God was able to to use that story to where we were literally able to minister to thousands of teenagers and share with them, you know, our my pitfall, my my mistakes and really what led to all those was not being spirit led. Yep, yep. <clears throat> not not feeding that spirit. And those
0: those were the exact words that I was looking for James and I'm glad they came out was spirit led. And man, we get so many questions on a regular basis of what's what's the difference between the soul and the spirit And I'm hoping that people listening to this right now can begin to see the difference uh, between the soul and the spirit and how intertwined the body and the soul are and how the spirit's almost over here and you've you've really got to to release all that soul stuff. You've got to turn it over to God to experience that true moment when you're being led by the spirit. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, it has to be intentional. Uh, the way it was taught to me <clears throat> was that your body connects you to you. All right. Your soul connects you to others, how we, how we interact and how we get along. And then your spirit connects you to God yeah. and and we need our body and we need our soul. And we definitely you know, need, need need the spirit of God on the inside of us. And, um, and, and when we're being led by the spirit, I think that we have a, we have a greater impact on, on all those, the other two areas of our life. Um, it's not all bad. We, we need them, you know,
0: that's a good point, James. And that's another thing. I think it's easy, you know, for people, especially that don't believe the same way that we believe to sit here and listen to us talk and, um, think that well you know these guys just think that the soul and the body that are they're just bad they're hearing us talk about crucifying the flesh and all this stuff sounds super extreme no man the body's a beautiful thing it's it's one of the one of the coolest creations on mm-hmm. earth is the human body and the human brain. It's awesome and it's a temple and you should treasure it and take care of it. And also the soul is also a beautiful thing. Those emotions and the way that we can connect with each other uh, as human beings. I mean that's awesome. It, you you can't. I mean you you can't even put words to it. So. We're not saying that the soul's bad that the body's bad. We're just saying that um you got to put them in check and try to be spirit-led, but you can still treasure your body, you can still treasure your soul and your emotions and all those other things. So I think that's important, man. I I think it goes, you know, it's easy to
2: lose touch with with your spirit like it can happen fast cuz you even look at Cain and Abel. They were the second generation from being created by God, right? I mean their parents God created their parents, Adam and Eve, and then they, you know, one of them was a murderer. So I mean, look how fast that happened. So I think it's it's so important to be conscious and, and you know, here at the church how we, we give the first of the year to it and then that sets the stage for the rest of the year and, and continue fasting the rest of the year. I think it's yeah very important. And
1: when when it's done right, my body can help serve you know the call of God on my life That's when it's it. done right, my soul can help facilitate the call of God on my life. If I can't relate to you i can't I can't have an impact on you. if my soul is not where it needs to be uh then or if I'm bound up in depression and if I'm bound up in and and other things that the enemy's has two major tools that he wants to use to to distract us is sin and sickness. And if the more I take care, and it doesn't, it doesn't make us completely immune. Jesus says in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so it's not a it's not a a teaching that if you get all this right, you'll never be sick and you'll never do this. No, we're all gonna die. We're you know, we're all we all have that appointment uh one day, but I can definitely do things that could speed that up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but if I if I if I leverage it properly, I can be I can be healthy. Whenever I'm sick. As much as I love you guys, I ain't thinking about y'all. Yep. I'm thinking about how sick I am. Yeah. Um, if I'm hurting in my body, that's what I'm thinking about. And we we joke about, you know, having the man flu. The man flu is worse than worse than any flu that a woman can get, right? We need oh, we need we need our, our wife, we need our mom, I need my daughter, I need <laughs> my mother-in-law, I need everybody by my bedside. And I could care less about what's happening in your life because all I'm concerned about right now is how sick I am. And so when we when we're taking care of our body, and hopefully we're again, we're not immune entirely, but certainly by choices that we're making with our body, um, we can eliminate you know some of that, some of those distractions that the enemy wants to keep us, you know focused on something else rather than me be focused on the needs of those that are around me uh, in the same way with with sin, you know, and our soul has a lot to do with 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 sin are you know the choices that we make first i've 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 never done anything I didn't first think about whether it was a split decision or or one that was well thought out i've never made i've never done something physically with my body or done something you know with with words or um that I didn't first think about that didn't first filter through my soul through through my mind and so when those are healthy it i'm able to it's able to to help facilitate the call of God on my life. And ultimately that is to have the greatest impact on those that God has entrusted to be around me. And so, yeah, it's not all bad. And 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 certainly we need them. Uh, we just need to make sure that, um, that they're not calling the shots. That's right,
0: man. That's the key Good words point. right there, man, yeah. for sure. Well, James, I want to transition real quick, man. I got a, I got a kind of a personal question for you. Um, you know, you were called to be a leader, man. I mean, you're you're a leader of this flock here. You're a leader within this community. Obviously, everyone you come in contact with um, that knows you or knows of you is gonna they're they're gonna watch you. They're gonna listen to you, and 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 t- at times they're gonna judge you more harshly than other people. Um, that's a that is a high level and that's a high level leadership position that you've been called to man and i think we've got quite a few other pastors that listen to our our podcast um we've got business owners we've got uh, you know all kinds of people in leadership positions and you know i just want to ask you you know you've got to show up every sunday man and you've got to deliver a message you've got to you got to stay squared away in public all the time in your family and, and and all this stuff and all this pressure in the position that you're in and i know god's a, a big part of, of what sustains you and probably the main part but how do you deal with the ups and downs man i mean it's got i couldn't imagine cuz cuz i i'm in and out of a of a good and bad headspace on a regular basis you know and i have the luxury that i can kind of go and do as I please. I don't have to show up and deliver a message Sunday after Sunday. So what are some tools? What have you done to deal with those ups and downs and just maintain that level of leadership that you've been able to maintain? Yeah,
1: that's, that's a great question. And there is certainly um, a very, very high level of pressure that's associated uh, with that. Um, And, um, and I know from a a scope, like a personality scope that when there's a, there's a category called pleasing um, that I'm really, really high in pleasing because I don't want anybody to be upset with me. And that's just partly the way I'm wired. And so I had to be aware of that when it comes to leading, because um, you would have a tendency to avoid conflict and not deal with things that you need to deal with. And fortunately, as God has equipped me, as a pastor, I've been able to deal with, with those things. But um, I, I, have. I have to approach it with, um, number one, Jesus had 12 disciples, one, one went astray, one turned against him. And so if it can happen to Jesus, it can certainly happen to me. And so, um, with that kind of pressure and uh, I just have to be reminded that, that ultimately I have an audience of one and that's my heavenly father. And, and I'm not operating and doing what I'm doing, Like I can't earn any more of his love or any less of his love. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not operating from a place of for approval. I'm operating for, from a place from approval. Uh, the fact that it doesn't matter to him if, if I preach the best sermon that I've ever preached in my life or if I get up and. And and fall flat on my face. I'm still his son, and I'm still called. And and God, ultimately, it's not up to me to save anybody. Ultimately, it's not up to me to. Um, it's it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to draw. But at the same time, there's that you know that flesh piece that yeah, that's that human yeah, aspect to it. Yeah, for sure. I've got to you know I've I feel like every Sunday I've got to knock it out of the park. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure there, you know, on, on most people's jobs, if they don't, if they don't get something right, then it may cost the company a little bit of money. Uh, they may have to go back and do something again. If we don't get something right, it, people are the, they're the fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, so there's, there's a, there's a heaviness and there's a fear, a healthy fear that I want, I understand that um, that, as a leader of a flock, that the biggest target is on my back and on my family's back and on my marriage um and so what it just all kind of goes back to my priorities personally um if if my number one priority was this church, then um it i would I would have a lot more difficult time in every area um and so for for me, my priorities are always my relationship with God. Um, Blake, you've probably heard this enough times. You could probably repeat it. Uh, my relationship with God is number one. My relationship with my wife is number two. My relationship with my kids is number three. And then guess where this church falls and everybody else falls around number four. And, and so people might say, well, man, the church is going to be, you're doing them a disservice because they're, they're not a higher priority. Well, or the, the fact that my kids are number three. My kids know they're number three in my life. Um, my wife knows that she's number two. Um, but the greatest gift that I can give to my wife is for me to have a healthy, intimate, personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then the greatest gift that my wife and I can give to our kids is to have a healthy marriage that is centered on a right relationship with Jesus Christ and and us modeling what that looks like in front of my kids. So um and then the greatest gift that so my kids aren't neglected because they're actually they have an advantage because we're we're modeling them for them a healthy marriage, a healthy family, uh really completely opposite of what a lot of their peers are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, my job as a, as a father to sons is to demonstrate to them what a godly man looks like, what a humble man looks like. So there's times that I don't get it right at home and I have to go and say, Hey guys, I'm sorry, dad missed it right here. And I need your forgiveness. And, and so, uh, their response is not, it's a, it's never, it's okay, dad, uh, because it's not okay. Their response is "Dad, I forgive you um which which states they recognize what was done was wrong, but we're getting forgiveness and moving on so I'm gonna get down a chicken trough I'm not careful, but when it comes to parenting, but my job as a dad to sons is to show them how a how a man of God lives it, with humility um with a servant's heart, and how I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church and how he laid down everything for the church, and so they are hopefully being modeled. I don't even have to say hopefully, and I can say it without arrogance. They are being modeled what a husband should look like, a man of God uh, in the home and what a dad should look like. Um, And so they're going to know when they get out into the real world, uh, how to be a husband. They're going to know how to be a man. They're going to know how to be a father. And then for my daughters, I'm demonstrating the same things of what a man of God looks like, but hopefully they'll they'll see what they should desire in a husband one day themselves and they'll have that kind of a standard um and so um so again our greatest gift that my wife and I give to our kids is to have a healthy marriage and then the greatest gift that my family can give to this church is to have a healthy marriage and family mm-hmm. and from that i can i can be the best pastor that god has called me to be yep. And I can, I can, you know, so I want to, I want to make sure number one, that I'm, that I'm getting it right in my marriage and getting it right as a father long before, long before I want to make sure I'm getting it right as a pastor. Fortunately, I hope I'm getting it right in all those areas. But, um, but again, yeah, so uh, I want, I want to, I want to be getting it right at home. And that's where, that's, that's honestly where I feel like I have more of the expectation because I feel like that would be where the enemy tries to tries to get us off track the quickest. And 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 yeah, I am uh, you know, have a flesh side of me that, yeah, I do want, I do want people to say, man, that was a great message and it really ministered to me. But again, it's easy to get caught up on that being your reward. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm being obedient, uh, obedient to God more than I am uh to any person. Yep. And, And, uh,
0: and I think the key with that James, and it's something that I think that I've, I've said it before over and over again, you know, a lot of people view the word selfish as a bad word, but the reality of life is you've got to have your own ship in order before you can go out into this world and help anybody else. And, and people need to understand that. Um, you like you said that's the that's the biggest service that you can do for your for your members and your flock here within your church is to have your own ship in order and if you need that time if you if you need to take time with your family you need to take time with your family because if you don't do that then you won't be able to come here on Sunday morning, or, or or throughout the week, when you're getting phone calls and people are seeking you for for godly advice, you won't be able to help them, man. Yeah,
1: you if you're, if you're drowning yourself, it's impossible to save somebody That's else, it, and, man.
2: And, and you know, not to down any pastors at all, but you hear a lot of times that pastors' kids, you know, often go astray, and I I think it's just focused on because of their. Their role as being a pastor, I mean, lots of people's kids go astray. You know, they might be working too much, but that's what the pat—that's what a lot of pastors are doing. They are also working too much just as someone else is working too much in the corporate world and their kids are going astray. So I've told you plenty of times, and and so, I mean, it's an, a testament for me, but the rest of the church sees it too, that thank you for modeling that for us because not only are you modeling it to your kids and your family, but you're modeling it to us. You know, if we really understand what's going on and why, you know, y'all are taking a vacation or taking a break or whatever, when we understand what's going on, then we think, you know, hey, we need to do that with our family too and it it keeps us in check. So Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And but it's easy. It's easy I think for 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 me or anybody else that's that's sitting that's sitting in a A row on Sunday morning, you know, to like I say, I just go back to the fact that there's so much judgment passed Mm -hmm. on on people in leadership positions, and the the people that are passing the judgment don't have any comprehension of what it's like to be in that position, and. And yeah, you got to have your own ship in order, man. And I, I love, I love the example that you gave of that, and how you prioritized it, and how you put your ship in order, and and then you're able to come here week after week and and day after day because your day's not just Sunday. I know you you got this is more than a full time job um and, and take care of what you need to take care of here. I think that's a great example, and that's a perfect tool of just like
2: everything else is simplifying things down into something that's manageable. You simplify your audience down to one you don't have to please two hundred three hundred people sitting out there in the service you got to please God, and that's all you do, so that simplifies it down. You simplify your priorities down, and you know that goes back to a lot of things we talk about on the podcast is just simplifying down. That's a perfect,
1: a perfect way. It's even what led to the mission of one one church is we exist to teach everyday people how to simply live for God. Exactly. And it's not always easy, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, we, it's about our priorities. It's about those things. It's about things that we can, we can live out, um, you know, day in and day out. We, we can do it. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good point. Simple. Does not equal easy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise we all be perfect. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) And otherwise we wouldn't need God. Yeah. If I could do all this on my own, I wouldn't need him. And what I was going to say a minute ago, just about, you know, pastoring is that there's also, you, you stress me out just talking about all the responsibilities I have and I'm aware of them, but it's like, man, there's, there's a lot. Um, But then at the same time, there's grace for the call so god's grace is sufficient and 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 so that grace is his enabling power for me to be the man of god that he's called me to be and um and so ultimately you know the, it it requires that supernatural i think a lot of times where we get in trouble is a lot of pastors are gifted communicators they're they're gifted leaders naturally mm-hmm. um and and we can get good at it yeah and we can we can we can stop relying and depending on God as, as much as, as he, he desires for us to depend on him. And, um, and so the truth is, is that we need God in every aspect of our life. I need him in, in marriage. I need him as a dad. I need him as a pastor, as a disciple maker, um, as, a, as a, a worker in the workforce. We need God every single day of our life.
0: I agree with you 100%, brother, and I think that's something that's resonated with me in my life. Is It seems like every time I try to take control of whatever it may be, um, eventually, if not right off the bat, I'll end up screwing it up, man. And To be able to truly release everything unto Him is, oh my gosh, dude. Not only is it freeing, but it's the only way... To reach unimaginable heights, because then you no longer have any boundaries. You're not you're not setting the boundaries. You're not setting the goals. You literally just release it to him, and and, and then watch him put the opportunity before you. And then it still goes back to free will. You've got to take advantage of the opportunities. I think that that God gives you, um, but uh, the opportunities are. Are very bountiful when you'll release it to him, and I had that experience, you know, not long ago when I got out of the Navy and I was struggling with, hey man, what am what what am I gonna do, you know? And the Holy Spirit came and 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 talked to me one night, man, and uh, allowed me showed me in in uh, whatever you want to call it a vision, whatever you want to call it that you got to turn this over. And when I did, it was like the floodgates opened, you
1: know. So. Yeah, I can grin because I know exactly what you're talking about, and um, you know. It, and so, when God gives us revelation um, and direction, it requires obedience. And so, my prayer is, God, I want to, I want to be an obedient son, but then I, I also pray for courage to obey. And so, a lot of times, those things that God shows us are outside of our our capability, our our our, our even our God given. Abilities and it requires faith. It requires, um, it, re- it requires you know you being spirit led and trusting God on a whole new level. Every every step I've ever taken with God required me to to trust Him even more in every area. and uh, And what's awesome is that you don't ever tap out with Him. Like you don't ever get to the pinnacle and that's it. it it's it. God is constantly doing something in us and through us um, and desiring. For us to have a greater impact, um, to uh, you know, on on the those that he he paid the ultimate price for through allowing his only son Jesus Christ to to die for, yeah. and um, and so obedience and courage, uh, you know, it's it's a big deal and it's required uh, for us to experience God's best and and His plan for our life far outweighs anything that we could ever desire for our own life and I know that to be true.
0: Yep. I agree with you man. I agree with you 100%. It's just it's 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 absolutely limitless and I love what you said about God is is constantly it, God desires us to increase our influence and the reason that resonates uh with me so much is because I never realized how hungry our society is for for faith. Um you hear a lot of and I, by no means am I passing judgment or, or anything on anybody, but you know, you hear, you might hear a lot of old timers talking about, you know, you know, Christianity's dying out, and you know, this what what's happening to the world today, and this and that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, man, the world right now is hungry, is hungry for faith in God, and there's a lot of people that searching. It's just I think there's there's a lot of false stuff out there. I mean there's a lot of lies out there, but um you talk about growing that influence there's so if you're a Christian, don't think that you can't go out and share your faith. don't think and now you might experience so you're some people are gonna put you down and make fun of you and this and that yeah, but it the overwhelming majority even in today's society wants to hear what you have to say because we're hungry for it, man. And I've been so blessed to be able to see that. And uh, it's just regenerated my hope in society, my hope in the world. Um, and it's allowed me to see the good in you know, every community, every city I travel to and speak and, and um, just see how much good is just left don't let people discourage you and say that the world is just going to pots because yeah. it's not, man. There's so much good out there and there's so much hunger out there.
1: Absolutely. And that's the call for every disciple of Jesus is to go and make disciples. And so um, you don't have to have a microphone and a pulpit. Matter of fact, there's a lot more people that will listen to somebody that doesn't have that long before they'll listen to me, long before they'll dawn the doors of a brick and mortar church They'll listen to real life experience. And, and I tell people all the time that um, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Hey, praise God if you are. Uh, I'm certainly not. Um, there's so much more. I don't think I'll ever tap out when it comes to learning in God's word. And, and I'm a fan of us being students of the word and learning more. Um, but we don't have to be a Bible scholar in order to share Jesus. And here's what you need to know: is that people can argue the Bible until they're blue in the face, um, but they can never argue your experience and your story and what God's done in your life. And so, whenever I'm teaching people about what that looks like to share your faith, I'm like, share your story, share what God's done in your life, and and uh, you know, your greatest ability is your availability. If you'll make yourself available to God. He'll use you mm-hmm. flat out. you know, I think about Moses uh, when God called Moses to go before Pharaoh and to to be his mouthpiece, and uh, Moses, the Bible says that he was slow to speech, that that he he either stuttered or he something along those lines that you know God has a sense of humor. He calls someone with a speech impediment to be his mouthpiece before you know the most powerful man in the world to release his children out of captivity and and God has a whole conversation with Moses about, you know, Moses is giving him excuses. So he said, "God, you know, I'm slow to speech." And I'll, I, loved, I love, I love this passage. I love what God spoke to Moses. And he said, um, he said, "Who gave man his mouth? Was it not I? Now go, and I'll give you the words to say." And and I've always just thought about that. Whenever I didn't know what to say, whenever I was too intimidated or scared to speak up, I just thought about, you know what. Holy Spirit in my life will will give me the words to say and and ultimately it's up to it's up to God to save somebody but you never know what kind of impact that you might have in somebody's life and you were you mentioned earlier uh the phone call that you gave me while you were overseas and um I had no idea that what was really happening I had no idea that it was not long after that that you really surrendered your life and gave your life to Christ. And
0: well, uh, hold on just a minute, James, because I want to break that down, man. And I want to I want to close close. You know, I want to close out on this topic right here. And um, of course, we're going to have to have you back on the show, man, because we just barely scratched the surface. I want to talk eventually talk more about One Hundred One Church, the vision for that, how it came about. I mean, I think those are all important topics. Um, but on this topic specifically, just if if listeners, if you haven't heard the story, it was, I was downrange in 2012 and uh, we're staying in this building. And one of my friends there, a fellow teammate was a Christian and there were four of us in the building and he started reading his Bible and, uh, you know, basically offering up a Bible study for, for the guys that were there. And of course, you know, we weren't that in, we weren't really interested, but we didn't have anything else to do. So I would go sit in with him and uh, just listen to what he had to say. And shortly after that um, was when we started having this paranormal activity, and, and it was evil. It was it was causing fear and contention and strife within our team. Um, it was keeping us up at night, and I don't have to go into details of everything, the, the intricacies of it, but it was freaky enough that within the span of just uh, uh, probably about a week or two, uh, we were all sleeping in the same room together. And we're, we're all grown men, dude, and we were freaked out. And I was just at a loss for what to do. I didn't know how to, how to combat something like this. Um, obviously, I knew how to attack a physical enemy. Um, my tactics were worldly tactics that could be executed on the battlefield here on Earth. And I had no clue, so I gave— Blake a call and Blake reached out to you I think and you can tell me a little more on the backside of kind of kind of what was going down on the backside leading up and and into the story of when you when you called me and uh, and delivered us from really that whole situation man
1: Yeah um I actually got a call from you and um I don't remember getting a call from Blake first but um I remember being with my family and I saw a number come across my screen that seemed like it was about 20 numbers long. And I'm like, who in the world and where in the world is somebody calling me from? And I'm like, I'm not answering that call. And uh, so I didn't answer it. And then just within a matter of seconds, that number was calling back. And I was—I just told my wife, I said, I I probably need to answer this. And whenever I answered it, it was you. And um, first of all, I was like completely honored that uh, that I would get that phone call. And um, because we absolutely revere... Uh, what you guys do and, and just, uh, you know, what you guys, the sacrifice that y'all make. And so to be able to get that phone call, I was like, this is, this is Chad. And I don't know where in the world he is, but he's not close by. And, and so you began to tell me, you know, what was happening. I remembered you telling me that you guys started off sleeping on different floors or different areas of this building and, and what was happening. And, And I knew immediately that it was, it was a spiritual attack. And, and so we don't talk about you know ghosts and those those kind of things, but demons are very very real yeah and um, and I knew immediately that you guys were there was a demonic attack against you guys and and that um ultimately it was a distraction to keep you guys from what the enemy was trying to keep you guys from accomplishing um but I'm reminded of a scripture in Genesis chapter fifty and verse twenty um it says what the enemy meant for evil. God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. And, um, and so I just thought about that, you know, and, and so I just told you to do what I would have done in that situation. And, and, um, and, and anytime something like that happens, we want to, we want to take anointing oil and, and just let, let, let everything know that the only spirit that has a right to be any part of my life is the Holy Spirit. And so, if I recall correctly, I just kind of told you to go around and anoint those doors and just command, we have authority over over the demonic We have authority because not because of who we are but because of who he is and because of the great sacrifice, the high price that he paid not only for our salvation but for us to live victorious while we're here on earth, and so he's equipped us to be able to do that through the shed blood of his son Jesus Christ, and so we take authority uh over that over any spirit that is foul over any spirit that is contrary to to holy spirit in our life and so uh if i remember correctly i just told you to go around and and really just take authority over that and command those spirits to leave in the in the name of jesus and to plead the blood and to pray over that building and uh, i remember praying with you on the phone also and uh praying something very similar and and um and then just telling you, hey, if you need to, you call me back. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I want to say the next night I got a phone call from uh, you know that twenty-digit, what seemed like twenty numbers coming across my phone, and you telling me that you you did exactly what we had said and or what I'd said, and taking authority over that, and that it was quiet, it was calm, and whatever was there had left, and. Um, that's the way I remember it. And then that being a Testament, uh, not only to you, but to your, to the other members that were there with you or the power of God. Yep.
0: Yep. No, it totally was. And you talk about how, you know, you quoted that verse in Genesis and, and that's exactly what has, what, what happened with that situation. Um, it, it it completely flipped and that is the experience that then gave me. The faith in God, in Jesus. Essentially, after that experience, I said, "Okay, there's some power here. Um, I, I need to, I need to look into this, you know, a, a little more than and 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 take it a little more seriously than uh, than than I ever had before." And so that's what really kick started my faith man and then from that point forward um man I, I was on the fast track dude like I, I, and I was I was pretty I was I was there uh, uh with my team members but um I, I got saved just uh you know just praying a prayer by myself uh, there in that place and and you know started really digging into God's word um I did I did some of those one day fasts that you were talking about earlier you know I was a I was a new Christian and on deployment and I remember fasting while I was overseas and um like uh calling I, I remember I called and talked to my mom one time and told her I was fasting and it freaked her out obviously cuz we're in a we're in a dangerous environment you know and she's like what are you doing what are you doing fasting out there like you need to be on top of your game but um, it in those in those days God was really calling me to do that and I had to obey even though it may not have been the, the perfect place the but the, in in my in the world's eyes it may have been a, a silly decision but that's how strong the calling was. Um, It didn't matter at that point. I knew that God was asking me to do these things in order to draw closer to him in those beginning stages of my walk with him. Um, So, you know, and and I I mean, I I know you don't take credit for it. I know you give all the glory to God, as do I. But, you know, I just have to thank you for taking the time to, to answer that phone call years ago. And, um, and guide me through that situation because, uh, that's what, that's why I'm, that's why I am who I am today was that experience, man.
1: Mm, that's awesome. And just, it goes to show you that you never know, um, the impact that you may have on somebody, uh, kind of gesture, um, attached to this is why I'm able to do that is because of what Jesus has done in my life. And so not just charity, but. But being able to meet somebody's physical need in order to be able to share, um, you know, the greatest news ever is that, you know, Jesus Christ has died for our sins. And, um, you know, just a small encounter or, you know, I, I've preached messages about, you know, finances, about giving and seen five, six people surrender their heart to Christ. And I wasn't even preaching about salvation. You know, just never you never know what God's doing. Um, in somebody else's life and what, you know, what step or, or how close they are to surrendering or what's happened in their life leading up to that point. You may be that person, um, that ultimately, you know, you, you're the one that, that, that it finally clicked with somebody else because of what God did through you. Um, and so again, it just kind of goes back to our greatest ability is our availability. Yeah, And if we'll, surrender ourselves and say, God, you know what? I, I choose to be used by you. Um, and, and God does it. And, uh, and that's, that's, what's amazing about serving God is that, you know, he desires, it's it's never just about me. It's about what God desires to do in me, through me for somebody else. And, um, you know, we're investing in, in somebody else's eternity. And, uh, and that's, what's amazing about getting to serve him.
0: You ain't lying, brother. It really is. And You know, just to close up on this topic, James, I I want you to give uh, a just a practical way if you've if if we've got listeners out there that are dealing with these persistent. Demonic forces, these, this persistent evil, this persistent sin, whatever it may be, it's all driven by the same evil, and I feel like it's all connected. It doesn't have to be the same as my experience. It could be a specific sin. It could be uh, something within your marriage, within a relationship. Um, can you just give us a? How do they take owner? How do they take ownership over that? And and Get rid of it, yeah. you know. In in prayer, uh, what what's the and I know because you walked me through it years ago. I was born into my faith through that journey, but I think a lot of people don't know, and I think we have Christians, we as Christians have kind of lost even sight of how to do that, man.
1: Yeah. Well, number one, it would start with, um, you know, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ first and foremost? Um, that's the greatest miracle that can ever happen in your life. And I've literally seen, you know, I've seen people get up and walk out of wheelchairs. I've seen tumors the size of softballs um, fall off of somebody's chest. I've seen deaf ears witness somebody that was deaf, that was no longer. I've seen those kind of miracles. Uh, but in, in even, you know, in all of those, there's no greater miracle than salvation. And so it all begins right there. and And so... I'm just going to break down the good news of Jesus Christ really quickly, because ultimately that is the most important thing about any of these, these opportunities that we have to be able to invest in somebody as a leader, um, to be able to, to help somebody in their marriage. Ultimately we want to have an internal impact and, and, and that happens, uh, first and foremost with salvation. And so, uh, you and I, all the all the world, the, the Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and that all of us have fallen short of God's glory. Just like I shared earlier that I don't have to teach any of my kids, even my little baby, how to do wrong things. She would literally walk up to something or crawl up, to, so she's not even walking yet, crawl up to something that she knows she's not supposed to touch. And she'll turn around and look at me and her mama like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm about to grab this glass off the shelf because there's that sinful nature and all of us have it. And so the Bible teaches us that sin is what separates us from a holy and a perfect God. And so the Bible teaches us that there's a penalty that has to be paid for our sin. It says that the wages of sin, so I've never gotten a wage that I didn't earn. So I've done the I've done the crime and and so the Bible says that there's a the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so um, here's the the good news, is that you don't have to pay for your sin. Jesus Christ, whenever he came down to this earth, he stepped out of a a perfect heaven, a a perfect place, and he stepped onto this very imperfect earth, and he lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world, uh, when Jesus Christ Willingly chose to go to the cross. Um, the Bible says, "Yet yeah, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." And so, when He willingly went to the cross and he and he 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 underwent the crucifixion and the, the 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 bloodshed and all the the torture that He went under, it was to his his blood was shed to cover the sins of the world. So he he redeemed us. He he paid for my sins. He paid for something that he didn't earn. And so here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to pay for your sins. I don't have to pay for my sins. Jesus Christ has paid for them himself. And so we say at one-on-one church that those that die and go to hell. So there's a, there's a real place called heaven. There's a real place called hell and those that die and go to hell are just choosing to pay the penalty for their own sins. And the good news is that you don't have to Jesus Christ loved you enough that that he paid that penalty for us. We just have to receive that, surrender our life. And ultimately, when he becomes Lord of our life, he's the one that makes the decisions about who I'm going to be, who I am, what I'm going to do. We're surrendering, truly surrendering our life, and we become a disciple of Jesus. And, And so it all starts there. And so the Bible says that if we were to confess with our mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. If I were to believe in my heart that he paid for my sins, that he died on a cross for my sins, that he was buried and that he rose again, then you shall be saved. And so that's where it all begins is confession of the mouth and believing that faith of believing that Christ came and he died to pay the the penalty of something that I owed. He came and he died to pay the penalty for my sins and that, that he was buried and that he raised back to life And so we confess him as Lord. And so it begins there. And so maybe all these things are happening in your life. uh, If you're, if you're listening today, Um, and I just want to tell you that, that all the things that are happening in your life have led you up to this very point where you recognize that you need Jesus Christ in your life. And no, God didn't cause those things to happen, but God will certainly use those things to happen, or he'll use those things that do happen, the circumstances in our life good, bad, ugly, indifferent to get us to a place where I recognize, man, I I need Jesus Christ in my life. And, um, and so it all begins right there where we surrender and we accept that free gift of salvation. And, and, uh, and then because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, then we can take authority over sin in our life. Um, there, there's, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 teaches us that there's there's not a sin in this world that I can't say no to. Um, That um, it says, um, I'm forgetting the the passage all of a sudden, but it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, that he'll give you a way out. And so... It doesn't matter what my vice is, what my weakness is. God will always give me a, an escape route. I just got to look for it. And so by the finished work of Jesus Christ, he's given me authority to be able to overcome any temptation, to be able to overcome any any um, weapon of the enemy that, that he's trying to use to distract me off of my real purpose, and that's to serve God and to serve others. And so if I'm wound up, if I'm wrapped up in sin, it's impossible for me to serve others. It's, it's, it's impossible for me to effectively do those things. And so uh, by the finished work of Jesus Christ, he paid such a high price for our salvation, but he also paid such a high price so that we could have victory while we're here on earth. And, um, and I, I, I say oftentimes, and I'm sure I heard somebody else along the way say it, that we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory and it's because of the work of Jesus Christ and so therefore no matter the bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and so but i've got to be able to take authority over those things and and recognize that through christ i can do all things and that i can overcome um i can overcome uh you know the distractions that come from the enemy and it, whether it be supernatural and uh the truth is is that um, that there are demons, there are there are there are things that are in the demonic that ultimately want to take you out, um, but they don't have authority over us because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So, the, uh, John ten ten says that the thief, which is the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I love that where there's a comma and it says, "But I have come," and that's Jesus speaking. He says, "But I've come that you may have life." and have life to the full another version says to have abundant life and so the enemy's desire for your life is to steal kill and to destroy and to use whatever tactic whatever weapon necessary cuz he studies you the bible says he, he that he that he he studies you he's like a roaring lion he's seeking whom he may devour and so if you ever watch you know a nature channel or watch a lion that's hunting and he waits in the weeds and he studies his prey and, and he won't go after the one that's at the front of the pack. He won't go after the gazelle that's at the front, but he'll he'll go after the one that's straight away from the herd. Or he goes after the one that's weak or sick because it's an easy target. And so our the enemy, we have a real enemy um, and he seeks to destroy you. and And he's going to use every weapon that he can in order to do that. And whether he can drag you into hell before you really surrender your life to Christ. That's his goal. But once you've surrendered your life to Christ, now his job is to distract you off of God's purpose, which is to have an impact on a loss and a dying world. And so he's going to use everything he can to, to take you down, to take you out, to keep you from having an impact, uh, to keep you from having influence. And so whether it be sin, sickness um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that will get you off of that. And so um, you know, I'll, I'll share one story and I think we're probably getting ready to close, but, um, just the, the, the reality of it and how, you know, um, you know, you shared your story. And, uh, when my 10 year old daughter was just, uh, probably two years old, um, she was in her own room and, and, uh, we, uh, we heard her cry out and she was saying, no, no. And like, it was, it wasn't a, you know, a playful no. It was a, a a terrified no, no, and um and immediately my wife and I knew that hey something something's happening, and so we went back into the room and 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 there was there was something significant that was that whether it was a demon or whether whether what, what it, it didn't matter to us it didn't belong, and so immediately we went and got the anointing oil and and we prayed over a room and we anointed the doorposts and we commanded. Uh, you know, for that, for whatever it was, for that spirit, whatever it was, to to be gone, and we put worship music on and and those kind of things, and and it never happened again. Mm-hmm. But there's not a shadow of, there's not a doubt in our minds that my little two year old was, she wasn't asleep, she was wide awake, and she was, you know, eyes as big as as quarters, and she was hollering no, and um and so it is real. And I don't think that we have to be so focused on that. Um, I don't, I don't walk around in fear of, of, of those things. And, uh, I, I walk around focused on, on what God's called me to do and knowing that, you know what, if, if something like that comes along, I can, I have authority over it by the shed blood of Jesus. And so we don't, we don't operate out of fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power of love and of a sound mind And uh, and so that's how I combat it. And so if you are battling something like that, if you feel like there's something in your house that doesn't belong, if you feel like there's something, then you just you just take authority over it by the shed blood of Jesus. And and I would I would get some anointing oil and I would anoint your doorposts and I would just um, I would just command them to leave in the name of Jesus. And that's the key is in the name of Jesus, that by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we, we call this a sanctuary. We call this place holy. And the only spirit that has a right to be a part of, of anything that I'm involved with is the Holy spirit. And we invite Holy spirit to, to, to fill that place and to fill us. And, and, um, and so we're, we're able to overcome those things. And so I would just challenge you, you know, I don't, I don't focus on, I don't glorify the devil. I don't glorify and exalt his weapons and his tactics. My goal is to make the name of Jesus Christ famous and to live my life in a way that would point others to his son, Jesus, to, to point others to Jesus Christ and to let them know that you can have the same hope. You can have the same confidence. You can have the same abundant life um, as we get to experience because we've surrendered our life um, truly surrendered our life to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
0: I, I agree a hundred percent, man. And and that's the the thing that you know the the thing in there, James. For me, the big thing was, like you said taking uh, taking charge, like taking control, and speaking out loud against those things that are in your life, whether it be a physical manifestation, whether it be a, a sin, whether it be a vice, whatever it may be, um, and and exercising that power that we have through the name of Jesus to uh, get rid of that, to cast it out of your life. Um, this is this is not a movie. This is we're not talking about Hollywood here. That's not you're not gonna you're not gonna start writhing and and nothing like the light. The lights may not flicker. It's not gonna be anything crazy. Just just speak it out loud. Take charge of it. And man, I see so many people in my my close group within my own life that are you know they struggle with with so many things and. Man, since I've since I've been saved, man, I haven't had to struggle with depression, anxiety. I mean, all these things that I that I see, that's just that are wreaking havoc on society. There's a spiritual force behind all of those things. Absolutely. I just, I, but we we're not seeing it. I, there, there is a, a addiction, man. Yeah, it, addiction has wreaked. Havoc upon our community, mm-hmm. right here where we're sitting today. It, it is literally an epidemic, and there is a spiritual force behind that that we have to we have to put on the full armor of God, and we have to go to work. If you know, I feel that way, I feel like I was called uh, because I think I was born into my faith through that through that experience. I'm just so passionate about taking control and casting those things out of your life and your family and and agree 100% it all has to start with you first accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you don't have access to that power until you make that choice. Um, but no, amazing, brother. Um, gosh, there's so much jam-packed in this. And I want to let everybody that's listening know this episode was not to convince you to be a Christian. This episode was not to convince you of how we think you should believe. This episode was not to pass judgment on anyone out there. Um, by no means, uh, you guys know Three or Seven Podcast. We've had everybody from from uh, all different backgrounds, from from atheists to Christians to agnostics, and we we want to hear from them too. There's it, w- this is not to pass judgment. This was to come and be real with you guys about. Our experiences about what we have found to be true in life, um, and about the way that we believe, and that's in my mind, that's what this was. It's so nice just to be able to really take the gloves off, really talk on a on a real level about how we believe and not hold anything back. It's just an amazing conversation. Thank you for facilitating it, James. Thank you for being so clear and concise with. Um, the difference between body, soul, and spirit. Um, all the information that you put out on the fasting, I think is absolutely amazing. I think that's an awesome challenge for anyone out there that wants to really feed their spirit is to take advantage of that fasting. Don't fear it. James talked to you about it. Not only, you don't have to start off with a 21-day fast. You can start off with one day. Um, but when you, if you're at the point that you need to do that 21-day you know, James talked about the first three days, right, are pretty much the hardest. Kind of taper, not tapers off, but you said you kind of get in the groove after that and look forward to those hunger pains. Look forward to those times that are uncomfortable because, again, that reminds you, okay, I need to focus on my spirit in those times. Um, And then also talking about the leadership James, it was, uh, I think that's great information on how you put your own ship in order, how you prioritize your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife, your children, and then your church. Um, That's great advice for every leader out there, Um, getting your own ship in order before you can go out and lead your team or have an impact on anybody else, man. I mean,
1: jam-packed, brother. Amen. It was a lot of fun. And, um, that's what, man, I'm proud of you, uh, you know, coming out of, you know, the Navy and after having, you know, such a specific role and purpose in that chapter coming to an end and it being like, now what, um, and really seeking God for those answers and then him leading you. And then, you know, you having the courage to obey. And, um, because of that, there's a there's a great impact. There's a movement that's happening that, uh, God's using you and, and Blake to, uh, you know, to have an impact on, on people's eternity. And, um, so thank you so much for, for being obedient and for, uh, living a courageous life. And, um, and you you guys are gonna, you're gonna reap a harvest, uh, because of your obedience. So thank you.
0: Thank you, James. And it's an absolute honor. And I know you feel it too. There's times that you wake up uh, in the morning, uh, in the morning, and you say, "Man, why do I deserve this? Why has God chosen to use me to to give me a voice?" Because um, we don't deserve it, man. Uh, the reality of it is, all we did was um, answer His call and choose to follow Him. We don't deserve any of it. So it's it's purely an honor. And every time. God uses me, and every time God uses you, I know we view it as just the privilege of—nothing can top it from a privilege standpoint. So, um, All right, guys. Again, thank you for tuning in. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said.
2: This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by a company that is near and dear to my heart called Exoskin. Hey guys, uh, I use this gear from head to toe whenever I am out ultra running, whenever I'm out backpacking, anytime I'm gonna be out moving and generating heat, generating sweat, just for all of my activities, I'm covered in exoskin, literally from my shoulders down to my feet. <clears throat> this is a outstanding product, it's designed by a gentleman named Rick and uh, Rick actually helped design a lot of the life-saving gear that we used in the SEAL teams. He is the master of his trade when it comes to athletic apparel and outdoor apparel. To start with, I'll tell you what I love most about it. You do not have to use anti-chafing cream when you're wearing exoskin. Rick has designed this fabric to where it channels moisture and body sweat away from the skin so you don't retain moisture you don't retain salt and have salt build up in those areas that we all chafe in has rapid dry copper technology Uh, what that means in layman terms is Rick has designed this fabric to where it does not retain odor it just doesn't stink you can wear these things for multiple, multiple days, multiple workouts, and you don't have to throw them in the wash because they just do not retain odor-causing bacteria. If you want to learn more about ExoSkin, please go to their website. It's exoskin, that's xoskin.us. And um, if you decide to purchase some of their gear, they have provided us with a pro code that you guys can use to get a discount on all your purchases. That pro code is three of seven. That's the number three of the number seven. No spaces. Give it a shot. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, All this stuff is made in America 100%. Uh, That also means a lot to me. So, Give them a try guys, I don't think you'll be disappointed.